We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus, as usual, can get right to the heart of who we are. And, you know, it's not just the outside appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He talked last week uh, about murder. We know it's wrong to murder, but he's saying if you've got this anger in your heart, it's just the same thing. It has the same kind of thing that's happening within. This anger, it's wrong. It needs to be dealt with. So we know we got to turn to the cross, to God for help. We need to forgive others. We need to be reconciled. And we need to do it before it gets worse. The next section here deals, and these are, you know, these are all very difficult to deal with here, these passages. Because, the, you know, Jesus, again, he doesn't take it just to those that have, have, have carried out these acts. He carries it to every one of us who would want to carry out certain acts. You say, well, I'm a good person. I never murdered anybody. I'm a good person. I never, you know, I never committed adultery, which is the subject of his next uh, section here. And on and on. But you know what he says? Did you ever want to? So he gets to right where we are. And again, we, we established in the beginning, we established the fact that it's not, it's not uh, our deeds that get us into heaven. Okay, we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. They testified about it this morning. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's the foundation of it all. But if we do know him as Lord and Savior, if we are trying to follow him, it doesn't matter how we live. And his word gives us the guide. Look at verse 27. He says there, You have heard it, that it was said, Do not commit adultery. One of the Ten Commandments, right? It's always wrong to commit adultery. There's no, there's no uh, circumstance where well, it's good and right and, and everything's okay. It's always wrong to commit adultery. We, I think we all understand that. We know that on, on uh, many levels. But he talks about that first and then in the next verse he'll take it a bit deeper. But let's just stop for a minute and talk about this because we can't get away from it. The, the you know, the... The, the whole idea is that he's talking about here, you know, our society, it's like right out of today's world, isn't it? You know, you have the governor of, of a state down in the south, right? Yep. Disappearing for six days to have an adulterous affair and then coming back and like, well, I'm like King David and everything's going to be fine. Well, if you study the life of King David, you find out that there was a lot of stuff that came out of that because of the sin that he had with Bathsheba. Out of control. You know, my question is, is this, and, and again, this applies to every one of us, and, and we'll see in the next section, the next part of this, it applies to every one of us, but what is so adult about adultery? Really nothing. It's really childish, really, is what happens is we, we, we just lose control. And the fruit of it, broken marriages, Broken families, people hurt, STDs. In the Old Testament, adult, adultery carried the death penalty. Thank God that that doesn't affect us today because there'd be a lot of funerals. Is that not true? But the truth of it is that adultery still kills today. It still kills today. Proverbs, the writer says, a man who commits adultery lacks judgment, 
And whoever does so destroys himself, of course, and others around him too. Now, it's wrong, and we, we know that. I don't even have to explain that. That's, you know, Jesus kind of takes it further and deeper. But I, I want to say that it's wrong, and, and we need to understand it's always wrong. The Word of God makes it clear. I think we know that on some levels, but yet our society, you know, it, it, things have gotten so watered down. Things have gotten so changed, such a sexualized society, and, and all these things go on. But I, I, before I move on, I want to say this, and is that, that it's wrong, but there is forgiveness and healing. Jesus said it, and, and the, the woman that was caught in adultery, in, G, in John chapter 8, Jesus said it, you know, he said, neither do I condemn you, but then he said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, you know, it's not a big deal. He says, but I won't condemn you. I'll forgive you for it. But go and sin no more. Go and, go and stay on the right path. Now here, as in the case of uh, murder, Jesus now takes it to this deepest, deeper level. Look at verse 28. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. Jesus, why did you have to say stuff like that? Why can't you just leave it the way it is? Now, I, I believe he's not just talking about uh, men here. I think he's talking about women as well. The NIV Study Bible says it like this, not a passing glance, but a willful, calculated stare. It's not that you happen to see somebody that's, you know, uh, your, looks good to you or whatever, and, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder and all that sort of good stuff. But um, another commentator said this is not one who happens to see a person, but this looking, this gazing, this staring he's talking about here stirs up something inside. The lust of the eyes, which many times can lead to action. Someone said sinful action is more dangerous than sinful desire, but left unchecked, wrong desires will result in wrong action, hurt others and turn people away from God. Yeah, there, there is a difference, and, and it, it isn't exactly the same. Committing adultery and, you know, committing lust and, and, and you know, kind of adultery of the heart, they're not exactly the same. You know, some people would say, well, you know, if they're the same, I've committed it with my eyes, I might as well just commit it in the flesh too because they're the same anyways, right? No. Jesus wants to deal with both of them, but, but, but he's saying here, you've you got to get to where it starts, and where it starts is the heart. He's not giving you freedom to go ahead and, and uh, go, go beyond. Again, back to the story of David and Bathsheba. David, the first thing was that he saw her. Remember the story? He was up on the rooftop. He saw another person up on the rooftop bathing. He saw her with his eyes. And then it led to action, and he got himself into a lot of trouble, trouble that carried on through his family. Jesus is saying here that the desires inside are wrong too. I want to say, God help us. Just the same with the last section about murder. God help us. Do, do we get angry with people? Yes. God help us if we fall into this kind of thing. Is there forgiveness and healing? Yes. But Jesus is saying, you know, you better think about this and, and you and I better think about this world that we live in and how it affects us. 
Jesus said, excuse me, John said, John the Apostle said, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. If we're going to follow along with the the ways of the world, and the ways of the world, you know, our society is so focused on what you see and how people look, and, and, and all this stuff is going on inside of people. Jesus is saying, I want to deal with what's going on inside of you. If you're going to follow me, I want to deal with what's going on inside of you. Yeah, maybe you haven't committed adultery. Maybe you have, but maybe you haven't. The writer in Proverbs 27 says that death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are the eyes of man. But the world is saying this is the way, this is the way. Let's just see as many images, let's see as many kinds of uh, media as we can to get people stirred up. Yeah, maybe they're not going to go out and do it, but, but if it's all going on inside of us, is there really any difference? Jesus said, yes, there is. You've got to deal with what's going on inside of you. Peter, the uh, apostle in 2 Peter, he talks about some that would have eyes full of adultery. Eyes full of adultery. Another proverb says this, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes, for the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? He said, watch out. The prov- you know, this is nothing new, what Jesus is saying. He says, watch out. What's going on? Don't lust in your heart. It starts here in the heart. The eyes have something to do with it as well. Look at Matthew chapter 6. He's going to talk about it again. And when he repeats things, you better watch out because he's he's got something to say about it. And we better pay attention. Look at verse 22. Chapter 6, verse 22. He says, the eye is what? The lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The eyes, the lust of the eyes, seeing. Wanting something else. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, one of the other Ten Commandments, do not covet, right? Wanting what someone else has. The grass is always greener on the other side. One example of this is the, is the subject of pornography. And pornography is a worldwide epidemic. A worldwide epidemic. I hope I don't make you uncomfortable talking about this, but this is reality here. The, the revenue and billions of dollars, annual revenue, the top four, one, two, three, four countries, China, $27 billion dollars. South Korea, and China is a huge country, but South Korea is not a very big country, $25 billion. Japan, $20 billion. USA, $13 billion. This is revenue per year. They say that, uh, uh, you know, ABC, CBS, and NBC, the revenue is less than the, the, the revenue for pornography in the United States of America. Top video porn producers, United States. 
internet, uh, uh, pornography is out of completely out of control. There's 4.2 million websites. That's 12% of all the websites are pornog- pornographic. 420 million pages. 68 million requests. 25% of all search engine requests are for pornography. 25%. This is, this is not a very small problem. Internet users who view porn. It says, internet users who view porn, 43%. Almost half of every person who uses the internet will view pornography. 34% receive unwanted exposure to sexual material. 89% of the web pages are from the USA. 89%. Male and female. 72% male, 28% female. It's not just a male problem anymore. Somebody wrote this, and it's a company who's trying to help, of course, and they're they're trying to uh, uh, promote their products as well, but I think what they had to say makes sense to me. It says, did you know that statistics show that most men on the net are accessing porn? This statistic stays constant, including Christians or others of faith. And this man's testimony says, I knew that I needed to get away from this tremendously harmful material. That's why I started this company of uh, Filter. He says, we don't plan to get into trouble with pornography, to ruin our marriages, our reputations, our careers. Internet porn takes on a life of its own and sweeps us away. Many of our clients are wise or are horrified to learn of their husband's porn use. Wives are disgusted and wounded that their husbands are cheating on them through their viewing of porn. Men, you have no idea the level of hurt that our wives experience when they find out that we are looking at pornography. Internet porn is now rated as a leading cause of divorce in America, surpassing financial troubles. Is, it, is our desire to watch pornography worth Losing our families? This is serious stuff. I personally know of marriages that have been destroyed simply the main factor being pornography. Pornography of all different types. Serious, serious stuff. And that's just one example of this idea of the lust of the eyes. It's all around us though, isn't it? Movies, magazines, Television. Well, we live in the USA. It's just the way it is. So, you know, kind of go with the flow. Is that what Jesus says? No, he says, you know, you're, not, you're called to walk with me. Follow me. Look at verse 29 and 30. It says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What Jesus is saying here is is drastic action is required. Now, is he talking about literal? You know, trying to understand the Bible and what Jesus says in, in the passages of the Bible? Is, he, is this a literal place where we need to you know, cut out our eyes and our hands? No. There would be a lot of blind people with no hands. 
But, but what he is saying is that you better get serious about this. You better do something about this. He gives us an, a picture, an image, of, you know, gouging out your eye. That's pretty radical. That's pretty serious, isn't it? One commentator from Philadelphia says, get rid of whatever is tempting you to sin, suggestive movies, pornography, TV, even the daily talk shows that wallow in sexual dirt almost endlessly. Get rid of the poison. Shut the shows off. Protect your mind from such defilement. How many of us really kind of take that advice? Maybe some of us are fighting this battle and we're maybe not winning. How serious are we? How serious are we? Another uh, uh, life application Bible commentary says, get rid of it. Sometimes it says, we tolerate sins in our lives that, left unchecked, could eventually destroy us. It is better to experience the pain of removal, getting rid of a bad habit or something we treasure, for instance, than to allow the sin to bring judgment and condemnation. Examine your life for anything that causes you to sin and take every necessary action to remove it. Another commentator says, and I found so many guys that had good stuff to say. Hendrickson, uh, been around a long time, he says, the surgery must be radical. Dilly-dallying is deadly. Shadow boxing will never do. Are you just going to mess around and play around, or are you going to get serious about this? Am I talking to the men in this church? Yes, I am. Am I talking to the women in the church? Yes, I am. Am I talking to myself? Yes, I am. There was a story of a man who, in 1993, he was, he was uh, cutting down trees in Pennsylvania. says he got his leg pinned be, be behind or beneath a fallen tree, and no one, he was by himself, not a good idea. But no one could hear his yells for help, and it says he tried digging his way out, and, and uh, you know, he's digging for more than an hour to, to free his bleeding, shattered leg. It says he hit stone, and he would bleed to death unless he did something drastic. And so he made... His decision, he, he used a, a, a wrench and a starter cord from his chainsaw as a tourniquet, and he cut off the flow of blood to his shin, and somehow he had the fortitude to amputate his own leg below the knee with his pocket knife. And he crawled to his vehicle, drove to a farmer's house, got some, got some help that saved his life. This pastor in Chicago is talking about this story. He says, like this guy, Don Wyman, men who want to follow Christ face Tough choices. We have sinful habits we want to keep as badly as our leg, but we also have a Lord and Savior who calls us to repent, and it takes strength to cut off our wickedness. This applies not just to the lust of the eyes, though, does it? Other addictions, other habits. Are we going to get serious about it? Are we just going to mess around? Jesus says, you better get serious about it. He talks about the fire of hell in this passage, just like he did in the last passage. And you say, wow. Now, are you going to lose your salvation if you, you know, happen to look at pornography? No. You're not going to lose your salvation. But if it's a constant, ongoing battle in your life, you may not even be saved, I think is what he's trying to tell us here. You may not have salvation. He says, if you love me, you'll follow me. 
So what do we do? Let me just give you some examples because we're almost out of time here. Some, some plans of action. I think number one is we need to make the difficult choices. We need to make the difficult choices. We need to take the steps that are needed with computers, with TV, with the movies we rent at Redbox, the books that we choose to read, the magazines we read. We need to make the difficult choices and say, you know what, that's not healthy for me. You know, we're kidding ourselves if we think, I can handle it, I can deal with it, no problem. It's a lie, it's a lie. Internet filtering is, is available in every price range and every type of internet filtering. I think it, this is my personal opinion, but I think it's irresponsible for us not to have some kind of protection on our computer. Not just because you might go somewhere yourself by choice, but because like the 34% of people who get unwanted attacks in this area. I think it's irresponsible, personally, to not do something. Someone said this, the Internet is one of the greatest inventions of all time. And that is true, and it's, it's incredible. And we talk, she talked about seeing Zhao for the first time on a computer screen from, through the Internet, Right? But this person said, as our families become increasingly intertwined with it, the more active role we must take to protect our loved ones from Internet pornography. Although nothing can take the place of a well-informed parent that takes an active part in their children's online activities, Internet filter software adds a strong additional layer of, def excuse me, of defense, giving parents an added measure of control and further peace of mind. I don't want an internet in my house. I don't want an internet in my office. I don't want it in this church without some kind of filtering software. It's just irresponsible. You know, I know myself enough that, I, you know, I don't want to put it in front of me to, to be tempted by it. There are free ones out there. You say, well, I can't afford the 3 or $4 a month. Oh, really? Well, there are free ones. You can find free internet filtering software. Number one, take whatever steps you need to do. Number two, we need to fill our minds with better things. Philippians, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Fill our minds with something good. You know, uh, someone pointed this out. You don't just say, well, I just, you know, you, you say to yourself, well, I just won't think about those things. Because then you will. But, but fill your minds with something that takes its place, you see. You know, idle hands, the, the uh, living Bible, the old living Bible translation said, idle hands are the devil's workshop. When you've got nothing in there, the, the, the temptation is stronger. The writer of the Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Number three, stay busy, serving, get involved somewhere, do something, pick up rocks, do something. <laughs> David got in trouble when he wasn't doing anything. It says at the time when, when kings go out to war, he should have been with his troops, he should have been with his men. But he stayed home for whatever reason. It says during that time, he was up on his rooftop. That's when he got into trouble, when he wasn't doing anything. Too much free time, not a good idea. You got some free time and, you know, you're going to go and, and, and get a movie or you're going to flip through the channels or whatever you're going to do. 
Watch out. But number four and the last point is this, and this is the most important. I, I saved it for last. It should be first, is that we need to call on God's Spirit to help us. We can't do this on our own. Yes, we need brothers and sisters around us to help us. Brothers with brothers, sisters with sisters. We need to help each other. Be accountable to one another, but ultimately we need God's Spirit to help us. Paul said, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We need God's Spirit. We need to fall on our faces and say, God, help us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to, de- to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We can't do things the way of the world. We need to do it with the way of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives to demolish arguments and to take those thoughts captive, captive to Christ. I want to close. Let's turn together to Colossians chapter 3. We'll read these verses and and, uh, finish. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. It says, since then, in verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. If you truly are born again, if you truly are believers... He says, since you have been raised with Christ, then set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Look at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, take action, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all these things. And he mentioned some other things as well. Put to death. Take the steps. Do what you need to do. He's saying to you and to me. The wrath of God is coming. I, 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 I question it about our society, about our country. How long? You know, we, we have this glorious history of being a Christian nation. But now we have this glorious um, reputation as the, the greatest supplier of pornography for the whole world. The most... Uh, kind of loose society that could be imagined and everything and everything and anything is okay. I wonder sometimes how long can can God's wrath hold out? But we thank, we're thankfully, uh, you know, that his mercy is new every morning. But for you and I as, as believers, we need to, we need to walk the walk and talk the talk that we would be different in following him. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we look at these words of your son Jesus and their strong words. 
and we're stubborn and we're rebellious and we still have the sinful flesh that we deal with. Lord, our, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And, and Lord, so we, first of all, we come and, and we humble ourselves before you and say, God, help us. God, help us as believers to walk with you. To not walk the ways of the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. Help us, Lord. We cannot do it on our own. Show us, Lord, in our each individual lives, areas and, and maybe other addictions that we need to say, what do I need to do here? What steps do I need to take? And Father, help us to see those things and to follow through. But God, by your Spirit's power, deliver us, Lord. Deliver us, Father. I pray for any here, men or women, that maybe even now in this in struggling in this area of, of uh, uh, pornography, that you would deliver them, Lord, and you would forgive them and wash them, cleanse them. Perhaps their marriages are in, in, in uh, danger of being destroyed. Lord, I pray you would, you would come in and restore and heal. Father, you're the one that's able to do that. You are a God who heals. You are a God who saves. Help us, I pray, Lord. I pray, too, that, that you would help us as a church to know how we can help one another. Father, I, I know that, that uh, we, we haven't had a recovery group for different addictions and things for a while. I pray that you'd help us to reestablish uh, this group, Lord. I've been thinking about it so that we might be able to support one another that, that have these issues and problems. Father, again, you're the God who saves. You're the God who heals. You're the God who delivers. We pray you would do those things for us, Lord. We are your people, your children. We, we cannot do it without you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.